Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hello, everyone. We're back with another Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper and Matt Eddy joining you today. and We're going to do our, our division drafts. We're going to roll it out. My popular demand, we are going to go division by division and pick teams out of the non-number one prospects. We can't pick the number ones, but anyone else in the top ten is fair game. But before we do that, we do want to remind you that Baseball America's podcasts are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. If you've seen our Facebook Lives, you've seen some of the shirts, you've seen some of the hats, they're really cool gear, check out Baseballism.com. But Matt, before we dive in, we the West always are shortchanged when it comes to the top 10s. They always, always got to be latest because of how we do our format and all. But So we're going to start with the West. We're going to start with the National League West. Before we do that, though, we did this before the 2014 season, and we had a, a podcast listener. Thank you. Uh, Robert Juarez on Twitter at uh, ROB underscore 23. Thank you, Robert Juarez, because you not only asked for them, but you did the, the heavy lifting and went back, re-listened to all of them, put together what our teams were from 2014. So before we dive into the 2017 pre, uh, preseason drafts, we want to look back at what we did in 2014, Matt. Yeah, it's interesting. I have them separated into top players. You know, there's it's pretty amazing this list. Number one is Chris Bryant. Number two is Mookie Betts. So you have two MVP caliber players from last season, both on JJ's team. He, he, JJ selected Chris Bryant number one overall in the Central Draft, and I was racking my brain, which Cubs prospect ranked number one if not Chris Bryant? And the answer is Javier Baez. Yeah. So Chris Bryant. This was right when he been drafted. So basically, this is coming off of his. Uh, half a season where he started out by striking out, I believe, five times in a game in the AZL and ended the year by being dominant in the Florida State League playoffs at the end of that year. And J.J. took Mookie Betts seventh overall in our AL East draft. That was a good pick. That was a good pick. Uh, Corey Seager is fourth overall in the National League West draft, also a J.J. selection. So you can see the trend here with this. (laughs) (laughs) I you know, I drew up this list here. I have Carlos Martinez fourth. I drafted him fourth overall. <laughs> then we go on to George Springer, Marcus Stroman, and Jackie Bradley. JJ picks. So, I so had a good draft. I like my draft. It was a complete repudiation of my of my draft strategy. Is what what I learned here. I, don't worry, I, I fired my scouting staff. <laughs> He's got a whole new new regime, a new uh, new focus. Uh. Um, just to round out the names: Devin Travis, Jonathan Scope, Kevin Gosman, all among the top ten players. Looking back. Uh, unestablished players, but still promising. J.J. also did well here. He has Julio Urias, second overall in National League West. David Dahl, 14th overall in that same NLS draft. That was coming off of a very injury-plagued year. Suspension and injury, if I remember yeah. right, for David that year. You get the idea there. And then among the still prospects, this is where I'm still alive. I have Austin Meadows, Clint Frazier, Josh Bell, Albert Elmora, and Jorge Alfaro. Uh, if you like that group, compare them with this one. Here's JJ's. J.P. Crawford, Tyler Glasnow, Hunter Renfro, and Dominic Smith. And John so. Manuel approves of me having Hunter Renfro on my team. John <laughs> Manuel favorite. So but, that's the only way I'm if, if that's the only way I'm alive in this. But so that's, yeah, so that's how we do this. So again, I'll explain the format just a little bit. 
you're looking at, we're looking at our updated, if you go to baseballamerica.com, we have the updated top tens for every team. Uh, that's updated with trades that are, through every trade that's happened so far. Um, and the number ones are off the table, so you can't take a number one pick. Matt is going to have the first pick. And by the way, do remember also with this, we're not trying to put together a team. It's not something where if I take three shortstops or Matt takes three shortstops, it's not a problem. For one, the, the, uh, the Netherlands team is going to make it work in the World Baseball Classic by just taking all shortstops. But the other is, is we're not trying to build a team. We're trying to take the most talent. Hopefully there's some of you find this interesting as you did last time. And just we're, we're kind of lining up with our own personal biases and all in this. Mm-hmm. It may not line up exactly with our top 100 because we're going to take guys that we believe in. I'm going to try to find the next Mookie Betts. And so is Matt. Yeah. So, I'm going to try to find the next um, Jonathan Scope. So, uh, so Matt, you have the first pick. We're going to do National League West National on this League podcast, West. and American League West will be tomorrow. So, Brendan Rodgers, Cody Bellinger, Anderson Espinosa, Anthony Bonda, and Tyler Beattie are off the board. But everyone else is available, and I'm guessing that we're going to see uh, less uh, Diamondbacks and uh, Giants <laughs> take it and more Padres, Dodgers, and Rockies. Yeah, this is a tough one to start with. Given how poorly I did with pitchers in the last draft, I think... I don't think I want to gamble my first overall pick on a pitcher. Therefore, I think I'm going with, with Manuel Margot of the Padres, Manuel the Margot, center fielder. Number two prospect for the Padres is Matt's first pick. Center fielder, um, I would say, would I would see if you agree, but I would say one of the safer players available in this division. And I mean that from the standpoint of it's hard to envision him being a future five-war type player. Mm-hmm. It's also hard to envision him not having a, a pretty solid big league career. He's reached it last year at a very young age. He's very solid defensively in center field. Yeah, strong defender, strong runner. The, the walk rate and, the, and the, how the power develops are concerning to me. That is. Because if he doesn't reach those, then who, who are some comps we've heard, like downside comps, Cameron Mabin? Um, the other thing I would go is, is like, let me, could he end up being kind of the, Pilar type, Kiermaier like type. Yeah. You know, where the value's more from the gloves. Especially than it Pilar is. as a right handed hitter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, more the values, a center fielder where the value's as much, if not more, from the glove than it is from the bat. That would be kind of what I would, would see, see him as. Whew, so that leaves me with the second pick, the first pick for me. I, the weird thing is, is that Hunter Renfro is on the board for me, even though. I have Hunter Renfro. Yeah. I acquired him in 2014. <laughs> Everyone's been thrown back in the pool. So, uh, huh, this so this is interesting because the the two logical guys for me to choose from Margot is a, is a second guy, uh, Hunter Renfro's third in the Padres. But the two logical guys are you got Yadier Alvarez, the number two prospect for the Dodgers, and you got Riley Pint, the number two prospect for the Rockies. A pair of very intriguing but very risky kind of hard throwing guys. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Yadier Alvarez. I'm taking, I'm taking the pitcher. I'm going to go with the uh, hard throwing, does it pretty easy pitcher who could end up being a uh, a front of the rotation guy if everything breaks right. But I know that there's a little bit of a gamble going in that. Yeah, that is a tough yeah. one. And now I've put it back on you, <laughs> and you've got to decide. That, you go with the. Uh, I was deciding between Alvarez and Margot for the top pick. Um, I'll take Pine. You know he's. Throws a hundred, top, top high school, more. top high school pitcher on the board in last year's draft. Um, it, it seems like none of these guys who are maxed out ability wise in high school 
uh, navigate the minor leagues successfully title. without getting it seriously injured at least once. I mean, look at Dylan Bundy, Jamison Tyone, Tyler Kolek. So it, it, it's a gigantic it, risk. But. It is interesting. We've talked about, me and you have talked about, that it does feel like that it's the later first-round, supplemental first-round high school right-hander. Your Aaron Sanchez, Noah Syndergaard type of guys. Even like going to later first-round, your, you know, your Jose Fernandez even, have as much success, if not more, than the top of it. And our theory with that being, you're talking about guys who have present stuff, mm-hmm. but you're talking about guys who the stuff is a grade below in high school, because they haven't maxed out, whereas the guys who end up going first are the guys who often are maxed out already. Now, again, if you look at it in hindsight, I mean, we may look at it five years from now and say, well, yeah, Dylan Bundy, Jameson Tyone, they had some injury problems, but who cares? We don't know that yet. We're mm-hmm. still, even now, and that's... And that, Lu- Lucas Gilito, another example. Exactly. It's, who was it's 90, tough. 93, I think, more in his debut, uh, spring training debut yesterday, not... 95 to 100, which he used to be. Um, so that puts it back to me. Whew. How many rounds are we doing? I'm going to do five rounds per division? I don't think we should. What is it, seven? We're flying through this. Seven rounds? Okay. Yeah, we're flying through this. So you've got the, the roster from last time. Uh, how, I can't remember how long we went. But uh, so I'm the guys on the board really we're looking at here. You've got Jeff Hoffman with the uh, Rockies. You've got Alex Verdugo. You've got Hunter Renfro. Ramel Tapia, Hal Quantrill. Boy, I am going to go Hunter Renfro. I'm going to take him again. So Hunter Renfro, uh, the thing I like about Hunter Renfro at this spot is he's not just a slugger. I mean, I, I do the the walk rate frightens me. He, uh, I believe, had more home runs than walks last he year. He did in the PCL. That's a little frightening. That being said... The thing he does have going for him is, is he's also a very solid defender in addition to being a slugger with some... So it he provides some value, and I'm almost talking myself out of the pick as I do it, but Hunter Renfro is my pick. So Matt, that puts it back to you. Yeah, thanks. And uh, this, is, this is, let me just say, this division is a tough division to draft. There's not a lot of... It, it, it gets non-obvious very quickly. Yeah. I'll take Alex Verdugo of the Dodgers, the sweet swinging left-handed hitting center fielder. Played a Double A this year. I, I like the Melky Cabrera comps. I think you know, think of a Melky Cabrera type, and I mean that in a good way. That mm-hmm. I know people re- hear that and they probably think, oh, he doesn't really like him. No, but I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Melky Cabrera's had a long career. Yeah, Verdugo's super young at at Double A already. Not looking but superstar potential probably, but so that puts it back to me. And I'm actually going to go, I'm, I'm playing strategic here, looking at who I think, you know, you might take also, who I can have a little later. And I'm going to go Andrew Tolls. So I am going a little bit off the board in that Willie Calhoun is our number four Dodgers prospect, Andrew Tolls, who's had a, let's just call it a fascinating career so far already, because he's both sat out a full year unsigned and then was basically a minor league free agent signed by the Dodgers and was playing for them in the playoffs less than uh, less than nine months later. But I like I to me if you line up Tolles and Verdugo, I know Verdugo's obviously younger. I think Tolles is better defensively. I mm-hmm. think Tolles at I think Tolles is more physically gifted. I think his tools are better. Um, you know maybe Verdugo is slightly better at the bat. You know at the bat 
and obviously is steadier from the standpoint of he hasn't uh, had some of the ups and downs that Andrew Tolles has had in his career. But I, I like Tolles there. can play all three outfield spots, and I will put the onus on you. Like, do you if you want Willie Calhoun, I'm concerned about the uh, – I'm, I'm telegraphing too much here. Willie Calhoun will be available for you a little later if you want. I'll put it that way because I'm concerned about where he's going to play defensively. Okay. Uh, I will take Cal Quantrill with my next pick. Oh, that was the one I hoped you would not take. The Padres right-hander out of Stanford. Missed essentially his last two years, but the stuff looked back in his debut, and he, he dominated at a couple levels, Arizona League, Northwest League. And uh, he took his time coming back from TJ, which – there was a, a lot of logic to that. I mean, he had he had his Tommy John surgery after Stanford brought him back on basically no rest during his freshman year, and I, there was some logic to saying I, I'm done pitching for here. I'm I'm going to wait, and uh, and he did. He was he was very good in his uh, his pro debut, and until he got to the Midwest League, but that was a, a very short stay at the end of the season. Yeah. And there is some evidence to suggest that longer rehab periods benefit pitchers in the long run. A lot of teams are doing that now more than they used to. Uh, it really is. It's the we're talking. There's science on that. There's not fact. It's something where you you get the data and you use the best data that you have, and that continues to be refined as far as you know. When when is the best time to come back from Tommy John surgery? So this is your fourth round pick, eighth overall in this draft. Fourth round pick. Plenty of Diamondbacks and Giants still available. Plenty of Diamondbacks and Giants still available. Um, now, I'm going to go Jeff Hoffman. I'm going to go Rockies' number three prospect, who I do worry that I'm pitching, taking a pitcher who is pitching in Coors Field. but And I, I do think Hoffman is more of a mid-rotation guy than a, mm-hmm. than a future ace. Um, he did show improvements as far as missing bats and all last year, but I really do think of him more as innings eater, Generates ground balls, does things like that more than just blows hitters away for uh, for seven eight innings. But but to get him where I'm getting him, I'm quite happy. You get that proximity value. Yes, I feel confident that he will. You can pitch for your team in 2017. Yes, yes, he will. Okay, um, I'll take Adrian Morahone. Padres okay. number five, the Cuban left-hander, nineteen years old. Nineteen I believe. years old. He will still be. Uh, he will still be on this. Very potentially on this. Next time, if we do this two years, three years down the road, he'll still be on the prospects to uh, to see uh, list. But he, yeah, if anybody has upside on this list, I mean, he and Alvarez are the, Yadier Alvarez of the Dodgers are the young Cuban flamethrowers. And then that puts it back to me, and, hmm, I'm going to go Rymel Tapia. I'm going another Rocky. I, I feel much better about taking a Rocky hitter. Mm-hmm. You know, that generally uh, is going to work out pretty well for me, Uh I mean, if you if you're a Rockies hitter, you you have about a a one in eight chance of being a, a NL batting champ because pretty much batting champs come from uh, Colorado as a general rule. Um, but I do think Tapia, uh, I think Tapia is a very solid, very good player. I don't think he's going to be a great player, but I think he's going to be a good player. And again, I get proximity value. It's a guy who could spend time in the big leagues in 2017 and. Uh, should be up there for good by 2018. There's a little bit of question also, okay, where does he play long-term, you know, right. which, which spot? But if, he, if he ends up in left field because of David Dahl, what kind of player would you compare him to in the majors right now? Whew, that's a tough one, but though this goes into a story I'm, I need to work on, which is, is that... Is, is he so dissimilar from Andrew Tolles? Like, Tolles played left field for the Dodgers last year. Not, not is, he, is he that explosive, do you think? I think Tolles is a little bit more explosive, but... Uh, 
But Tapia does have, I mean, I think there's, in left field, there would be significant defensive value. Like, he's a good, he should be a good left fielder. Um, you know, he has speed. It doesn't really, it doesn't really play necessarily uh, impactfully on the base pass. But, hey, how much power is he going to hit for all this? But he's going to hit. I mean, that's the thing that he's always done. Again, I just don't know if there's going to be a ton of impact, but I do think you are talking about a, a guy who could have a pretty lengthy career as a pretty useful big leaguer. Um, you know, really even going back to, uh, you know, they had Corey Dickerson a few years ago, different type of player doing it, but kind of, you know, Corey Dickerson didn't have to hit 25 home runs to be a useful big leaguer, that kind of thing. Which puts it back to you. Okay, five. So sixth round pick. We have two, two picks remaining, correct? Mm-hmm. I know this dead air. I'm trying to fill the dead air while so we don't, <laughs> don't leave you a lot of dead air here as, as Matt considers his pick. Yeah, we didn't exactly. We're not. This put, is not scripted. This put is put in a ton of prep work on this. This is legitimately. He's figuring this out as we. Uh, as I'll we take Herman um, Marquez of the Rockies, the okay. uh, Venezuelan right-hander. Outstanding year, Double A, has has good stuff. Reached the majors. That's. You know what? And then I, so that comes back to me, and I'm going to take Tom Murphy, the number seven prospect on the Rockies list. I'm going to take him because this is a catcher who does a couple things very well. For one, if Tom Murphy gets 400 ABs and playing in Coors Field every day, I think he will flirt with 20 homers. I mean, that's mm-hmm. he has that kind of power. He did it in a, a truly insane way. If I was still in an Apple League, his card for uh, 2016 would be wonderful from the standpoint of be a lot of home runs on that card for what he did when he came up to the big leagues last year. And he is solid defensively as well. Again, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be a 500 at-bat catcher. There aren't a lot of 500 at-bat catchers anymore. But do I think he's going to be a productive 300 to 450 at-bat catcher? Yeah, I do. And that's why I'm willing to take him even above Ryan Castellani, even above uh, we've got – uh, Willie Calhoun, Eugenio Diaz, Brock Stewart still on the board, mm-hmm. uh, Luis Urias, and then the entire Diamondbacks and Giants. <laughs> okay, so with my final pick, these are the players I'm considering. I'm looking at Castellani of the Rockies, mm-hmm. the number one prospect in the Cal League. Looking at Brock Stewart of the Dodgers, uh, Luis Urias of the Padres, you mentioned him. You know, the Diamondbacks, I'm not sure I would take anybody. Bawa Lugo still there, Domingo Leyva, but no, I, I would not. Then Christian Arroyo of the Giants and Chris Shaw of the Giants. I think I would at least consider them with this final pick. You know, Arroyo with the infield value. We always know with the Giants players that they're going to end up probably being better than we expect because that seems to happen a lot. And I think because none of my pitchers panned out last time, I'll just take Arroyo. I'll just bite the bullet. Okay. So we do have a Giant so you, off the board. So you get... You always hate to apply the the past, like the Giants develop these infielders who always pan out, but they do have a track record for developing infielders. They do have a track record of that, and if you end up with a Joe Panic-type player, you'll be, I think, probably very happy with that. I don't think he's going to be as good as Panic. But uh, So that puts it back to me, and I'm going to go Brock Stewart. So again, I'm moving a little bit around on the order, but I really like Brock Stewart as a useful starting pitcher. Again, I'm, I'm picking a lot of guys' proximity to the big leagues. I don't know if that was a theme, intentionally a theme here, or just kind of happened that way. But uh, we'll see as we go into our, our future uh, drafts here, Matt. But I also strongly considered Stewart, because you look at his major league numbers, and he you know, gave up a lot of home runs, and his ERA is not pretty. But if you look behind the superficial numbers, swings and misses are there. 
and the, really they're not squaring him up in the zone. So I and, like that. And he really emerged last year. Took steps forward. Stuff's better than it was when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the control's good. I mean, there was how many levels did he pitch at last year? Like three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a Brock Stewart fan. Uh, before we wrap this up, I, I would say okay. So the let's talk a little bit about what we left on the board. Mm-hmm. You seem to have the same Willie Cahoon, Calhoun concerns that I do. Mm-hmm. My concerns with Willie Cahoon is, is I'm very confident he's going to hit. Home runs in particular. Home runs, yes. But I think he really can hit. He's, there is an advantage to being kind of a short, compact. He's not small. He's short and compact. Short, compact hitter. A lot to that. I think he can really hit. Just defensively, second base, he's not there. I mean, it's just not there yet. And... There are questions about whether it will be ever there because the reality is, is he's going to be ready for AAA this year, and defensively he may be at second base still a couple of years away at best, and that's if he can do it. Um, if you want an analogy, a guy who spent some time in the Dodgers organization, when Micah Johnson was coming up, there were questions: Can he play second base? And you know, really, if, if Micah Johnson could play second base consistently. I think Micah Johnson would be a uh, an everyday big leaguer potentially, yeah. but he the hands are hard, and that was something that never really that there's only so much you can do to improve that, um, and if he doesn't play there, you, left field's really again the, about, about the only option. So mm-hmm. we, we should mention because the first base he's five eight five, five eight. eight, so you're not going to find a first baseman that short. I mean, in the major leagues, you literally it doesn't. I need to write this at some point. Just to, you know, just do a post on this. <laughs> it just doesn't really... happen. And then left field, you worry about the foot speed. He's just not fast. Right. So that's that's kind of interesting from that standpoint. We didn't take any Diamondbacks. Uh, Dawa Lugo, Domingo Leva. The reality is, is this isn't a bottom three organization farm system. Mm-hmm. And I, let's put it this way. Okay. Walk. I would take Walker Bueller. I would take Gavin Lux. Um, we can't take any Dodgers past the top ten because there's the guys I would take. But I would take either of those guys before I would take any Diamondbacks. Um, how many Padres, Matt, would you take before any of those come off the board? Oh, definitely Urias and Nix. Uh, Luis Urias, Jacob Nix. And, you know, I think at that, after that point you could argue for, I like Leba, Domingo Leba. I like him all right as a starting second base type of player. Potentially, yeah. I mean, he not, may. Not, I, not like a star. Right. I'd probably also, if the Giants take. Uh, Shaw, Reynolds, and Suarez off the board before I would go Diamondbacks. I mean, this yeah. this is what's one of the useful things about this is is when we talk about this, it just it does summarize how when you're looking at this division. Now the funny thing is is I don't think the Giants farm system is terrible by any stretch. If we were doing a a 75 man draft, which you know the four hour podcast, there'd be a lot of Giants I'd take on it because they got a lot of fifth mm-hmm. six starter types. They've got a lot of guys who I think will be big leaguers, just will not have a whole lot of impact. Um, but it does summarize that the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Rockies are the three farm systems, the three top tens that jump out here as being significantly better than the uh, Diamondbacks or the Giants top yeah. tens. My best undrafted players are Ryan Castellani, Luis Urias, and Chris Shaw will be my next three. So this is, we're wrapped up our NL West. We're going to do this. We're going to be doing this uh, division by division. So, you know, we will we will be back with the American League West tomorrow, and then we're going to be going backwards. So there will be National League Central, American League Central, 
National League East, American League East. Sometimes, a lot of times the AL East or the NL East are our first top tens we roll out. Here they're going to be last. So before we do that, though, we do want to remind you again, we thank you for tuning in and listening to today's Baseball America podcast, and it is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20%. So, for Matt Eddy, I'm J.J. Cooper. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.